Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the ANF Network. In this episode, I speak to Danny and Rianne, foster carers featured in the recent Channel 4 documentary Kids. Danny is a second generation foster carer, and together with Rianne, they have fostered several children as well as raised their own family. We chat about their experience as well as getting an update on Byron, one of the young people featured in the programme. As always, if you've experience of adoption, fostering or special guardianship from any perspective, personal or professional, and would like to share that on the podcast, please get in touch through the Facebook page, Twitter, or you can email us at anfpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm Danny Parrott. Um, I'm a foster carer. Um, been a foster carer in my own right for eight years now. Yeah. Okay, and I'm Rianne Parrott, and I've been a foster carer for eight years as well. Excellent. So, um, I mean, obviously, I I was invited to speak to you through your local authority, which is a bit of a peculiar, they were like your agent, your, I don't know, I don't know what, <laughs> I'm not going to say pimp. I, oh, I did. <laughs> um, uh, and you... If people have watched the Channel 4 documentary Kids, uh, you feature in episode two. Um, so before we, I suppose the question to get out of the way is, how is um, Byron doing? Um, again, it's not his story, so just I don't want details, but is he doing okay? Yeah, he's doing okay. He's still yeah, got he's his job. Doing okay. Excellent, excellent. I was worried. And is he still playing rugby? Yes, he's just come back from a rugby sevens weekend. So I say he's doing okay, but he's not in great shape from all the drinking. But he's okay, apart from that. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Mm. I can really recommend people go and have a look at that because I think it is really, it, it just feels really normal, which is quite reassuring Yeah, in, in a good way. I think it's, yeah, it's. It, I think it's been done really well. And it's really, it covers a lot of different stories and different angles. And I think that's a really important part of the process. Yeah. So I'm going to, before we get, so maybe we'll reflect back on that when we get to the end of your story, but can I ask you then what brought you to fostering? Why did you start to foster? So Danny's mom is a foster carer. Um, so when I met Danny, obviously his mom was a foster carer and it was sort of, I say it was sort of the first time I really got it or seen it or I'm sure I had seen it. I'm sure I'd been around it, but it was the first time for me it was there in black and white, um, you know, reality. And I suppose we just, you know, I would stay at Danny's and we were around the foster children and um, I'm sure um, Dan's mum wouldn't mind me saying this, but so Dan's mum wasn't in a great health at the time. So we stepped up and helped her look after her foster children. Yeah. Um, and then this was all around, we were roughly getting married and moved into our own house. And then it was a little bit like, oh, the house is really quiet now and empty. Maybe we could foster. Um, and I I'm a I was a registered nurse. That was my original sort of career. Um and so it was a little bit like, oh yeah, we could, we could do this, you know, and we think we've got, you know, the skills and the right attributes to help or support some children or young people. And so that's sort of where it went from. Excellent. And obviously for me, I 
I was born into a family that fostered. You know, that's what I knew from day one, really. Um, I didn't know anything different. I've only ever known a two-layer policy or, you know, things like that. Like where Rianne came in, I had to really teach her that you can't, like, leave bleach in your bathroom or deodorant out where razors in the bathroom where kids can get them and stuff like that, which is normal for me, but was obviously something we had to pick up pretty quick. So, yeah, and my mum was a, she was a bit of a crazy lady. She, like, she was a single carer and she'd have me and my three brothers and she'd take on sibling groups of four and five because she really wanted to keep kids together. So I always grew up in a household that was very busy but loving and you know always you know different things going on young people being part of it and like we have a, a big family network but a lot me and Rihanna have got now where we have an open door policy so family around our house most of the time you know my my aunties and all that and their children so you know when foster kids came into that they became part of that yeah uh, and that's kind of what we've got now so I'm sort of like slightly intrigued because obviously it's, it sounds like you met and then started to, you got approved to be foster care. So was there any sort of questions around that? Because often people talk about, you know, established relationship, established house, households and how long have you been together? Was that, was there any conversation on that or was well, it just not sort of taken for granted? When No, when we first applied, we tried to go to, to a certain place and they said we weren't old enough. Um, and just, yeah, even though we had, like, you know, I'd been an attached carer for two years, three years, and obviously the whole background of growing up have been and having some, you know, really heavy end children with my mum, everything from, you know, disability, almost end of life to, um, you know, young people that have come from different countries. So all my mum, yeah. my mum didn't take on really, you know. Um, She's covered the whole 40 she has yeah she's um like i said a crazy lady and um yeah so i suppose we i suppose because we'd we'd been together quite a while i suppose and we'd sort of been attached to sandy as sort of like we'd had like a mini assessment for to do like respite and stuff yeah. like that um so i suppose we'd sort of been together and done that assessment so i think yeah when we sort of approached um, a fostering agency, because we didn't go with a local authority, I think at first, because I think there was a little bit of us that was like, do we need that? And I don't know, uh, speak openly. There was a little bit of conversation about whether we'd get the right support from a local authority yeah, um, or whether we'd get more support from, you know, a, an independent fostering agency and whether that would be better for us. So that's, yeah. we were, were with an eye for at first. Um, and then we moved to the local authority. No, so, I mean, I think, I, I don't think we can, we, there's no point in sort of beating around the bush with that. Cause I think yeah. that's the choice people face, isn't it? It's yeah. and that, and you put it in those terms in sense of you, maybe the stereotype is the local authority, maybe not as supportive, but like more likely to yeah, get children. Or that they're too busy or they're too quick to place, you know, and they don't, I think that was, I think that was what we were sort of, or they might place with you really quickly and then they might not do the matching fully. And, but I think like, like you say, realistically, 
as it is, I think with the best intentions you can match to a T and it doesn't mean a placement's going to work. So I think yeah. knowing, like knowing as we got further through, um, I think, you know, I, I don't think that's as important. It's about the right feeling you get from whoever you choose, whether that's your local authority or an IFA. But yeah, I think that's that's the way we went. But obviously we've moved over to the local authority now. Um, and we we are really happy and I think we do feel supported from some of them. So that's, you know, that's it's going well for us. And that's all you can ask for, I think, really. Um, yeah. That you feel supported. Um, yeah. I think commentary got, got quite a good good thing going i i think at the moment don't be wrong we all yeah. have arguments but <laughs> yeah i mean after the fact that they opened their doors to a lot to a tv documentary kind of says that they've got a level of at least confidence in what they're doing um and sort of potentially quite progressive in thing in the way that they do yeah. things yeah yeah definitely so um, we'll, we'll have to speak to them about maybe getting some subsidies or some bit of money for that little advert for Coventry. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they'd appreciate that that rather nice kind of shout out. Yeah, so little plug, <laughs> little plug there. So people as well. You then you become approved. And what were you approved for? Because again, um, I presume neither of you have children already. No. No. So we, so as the saying goes, go big or go home. We went zero to eighteen up to three children so that's what we approved for um pretty yeah straight away so that was our first approval um I think, like, obviously dan's mom we'd had experience from dan's mom i think yeah. and that's i think that's what did it we'd obviously they'd had she she'd had children i think of i think there was four of them when we yeah. sort of looked after them so we'd sort of been used to having multiple multiple children siblings you know, the contacts that surrounded that, the family time that surrounded that, the, you know, even some, like, obviously social work interaction. So, yeah, hmm. we, we went straight in at the deep end. <laughs> and we also, with Rianne's background being a nurse, and um, I have cerebral palsy and a learning disability. So, and I work for a charity called Grapevine, working with people with a learning disability and, all, and autism as well. So kind of we we kind of said that we would like to do as well people like children young people with learning disabilities or physical disabilities so um but that that didn't happen straight away so yeah well i mean i'm thinking i'm putting my sort because i'm a supervising social worker well no i'm not actually i, I was a supervising social worker um that's <laughs> just yeah um and i was thinking that if a couple came to me with that skill set you know uh registered nurse someone with lived experience you know in uh, like personal and within his home you'd kind of snap their hands off wouldn't you we yeah. didn't feel like that at the beginning though no, we didn't no. really really why, yeah why not um i don't know i think you know we worried if we were going to make it through the assessment yeah. and we worried if we were going to make it through and um, the panel and I well, think there's yeah, that level of more than me but yeah. yeah I think there's that level of something I think it's just a bit of the unknown isn't it it's like oh are they going to ask us things and they're not going to like us or they don't think we know about it or maybe they don't think we're I don't know answering the questions in the right way but every stage we got to people did like I suppose like praised us or were grateful or thankful but I suppose I think we were very young as well compared to the people the, that were coming in were young, yeah, until young, you get young, to the they? end process I suppose it's just it is a little bit daunting that you think well I think there was 
Because there's been times when it's like, I think someone did say to me, well, you're very young, aren't you? Do you not want your own children first? And I said, well, no, I don't think that I need to have my own children first. Maybe right or right or rightly or wrongly. Yeah. You know, I just I said it it's my feeling is that it's I've got experience, you know, from other places and I feel like with the training and the sport we can we can be foster parents, we can be foster carers, we can do that role. So I think there must be some self-confidence there. It doesn't feel like it at the time. Well, I'm like yeah. going to panel, shaking in my boots, and Danny's like cool, calm, collected, and I'm like, oh my goodness, did I answer the questions right? And he's like, yes, we am. We were fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. You're stressing about. I think I think we were young, and I think people like I remember one of the first social workers came in, and um, she it was the children's social worker, and she made a comment about our age, and then. And, we'll, and then there were like, and then we kind of got a little bit of question of what experience we had, and you feel like you have to kind of mm. prove yourself a bit then. And then, yeah, we kind of won her around a bit, didn't we? And yeah, but she said she had concerns because of our age. And, uh, and I mean, I've not asked, and you've not said, but I am going to ask: How old were you? Oh, was I twenty-four? So it was eight years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, but we were twenty. I was twenty-four when we started the process. Yeah. So it would have been about ten years ago. Yeah. Because mm. by the time we we like were assessed and went through panel and. Yeah. Yeah. And and how old were you, Danny? Just for. So what? I'm thirty-six now. So. About twenty-six. About twenty-six. Yeah. 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 Which, oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I. I I was quite young when I started the adoption process. I think I was 26, 25. And I remember feeling actually totally functioning adult. Yeah. Um, but, but the question coming all the time. And uh, and so that, that I mean, that's quite, uh, it's not good if a social worker is kind of at that point of placing a child kind of going, uh, excuse me, are you guys up for this? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, think at the well, time I was probably, we were probably, maybe I was too brave. I was like, yeah, but. What makes it? What? What? Yeah. Why does that make a sixty-year-old okay to do it? Like, what? What doesn't? Like, not. Not. There's anything wrong with a sixty-year-old, but what makes them more qualified? You know, just because they've had children, it's like they've got life experience. Yes, but are they a trained nurse? No. Do they have Danny's experience? No. So it's it, it's very much yeah. like you know, yeah. It's it's almost that um, you know, you see somebody and you think, oh they're not old enough or they don't look you know it's that typical when someone speaks to the older nurse rather than the younger nurse and the older nurse has actually only been qualified six months but the the younger nurse has been yeah. qualified six years you know it's that you, you look at you're taking someone by face yeah. they've got more experience but yeah yeah so so you then you're approved and you get your first children and so was it I mean, having had that experience, did it match up? Was it different having been your own sort of in your own house with your own children? Was it different? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, <laughs> like, my mum always used to say to me, well, it's different when you're the main carer. I used to be like, what is she on about? What is she on about? And um, it is, I suppose, like when I was the attached carer, I would lean on mum and say, 
yeah really went down to her she the kind of the book stopped with her if anything went wrong it was down to her you know what i mean um um all of a sudden it was it was down to us really wasn't it and we had to that is different and you do feel more responsible than i just i think you feel that pressure you don't want to let anyone down you don't want to do anything that you're not meant to do. Yeah. I think there's so much grey area in fostering. I really do. I think it's hugely, like, grey. You know, there's there's things like, I don't know, being told information that you're not sure who knows the information. So then it's like, it's almost like you're trying to put a puzzle together, whether someone knows something or they don't know it. And, you know, there was one scenario and I was like, um... And it's like it's not not like major like data breach or anything, but you're you're trying to work out whether that person knows that right bit of information that they need to know without blurting it out in front of the children, or you know, or you'd be trying to be sensitive because you don't want to, you know, yeah. overstep or anything. So it's I think there's those there's those gray areas. Um, I think the example is that um, so I was we were in a supermarket. We'd not long had the first placement placed and I seen a person from school and they were like, oh, who are, who are these? This? And, I like, <laughs> and, I, I, and I just went, they're my chicken wings. <laughs> just, and she went, oh, okay. And then she just carried on asking me a different question, but that's it. Now everybody becomes a chicken wing when they come into my family that's it's like stuck now it's stuck so yeah like dinner time we shout wings dinner yeah and they and all come just yeah I, and i don't know what it is or how it was you know when you i wanted to deflect the person but it was the best thing i came up with and actually the children found it found it quite funny which was yeah. quite nice and they they sort of took it on and then it's just been forever then sort of their like legacy if you want that they they or anyone that came into the household then was also you're a chicken wing you're one of Rianne's chicken wings <laughs> so yeah. that's where it followed so <laughs> yeah but that's sort of one of the things it's that it's that gray area that you know I think people, got- want, people are curious aren't they and I think that the, and and uh, people, uh, no, maybe too strong a way of putting it. People are kind of like, well, why? Why would they, they seem like lovely children? Why would anyone want to? Yes. Why would anyone want to give them up? You know, sort of those stereotypes of why. Yeah. And that that can be really tricky, especially in front of children, can't it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. in the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think oh, there was, I think, age wise, it's yeah, like people obviously then sort of think, well, maybe that's her child and because they hadn't she hadn't seen me in quite a while so I think that was the so I just yeah I wanted to end the conversation but three children with yours, yeah yeah you look really good at that moment yeah <laughs> so some of the challenges I mean have you I mean we're, we're talking about terms and placements because we kind of been careful about identifying children and so it's not that we're being disrespectful it's just that we want yeah. it, it's the children's business is theirs not not anyone yeah. else's so in terms of how many children you've had with you, um, how many sets of children and, you know, have you been, are you, are you long-term carers or are you sort of short break carers? Are you, what, how would you describe so we're open, yourself? We're open. Um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we're open. So I think to say we've done all sort of types, we've done respite, we've done short-term, we've done long-term. I think yeah. it says that we've covered all the, all the scenarios. Um, we like to do long term that's our 
um, we feel the, that, well, I feel like we can, once a child knows that they're staying with us, they start to build some roots, you know, and we can really make them feel home and loved and, you know, cared for and, you know, that they're, they're set and, you know, we're, um, one or two of the children we've got in place now they've only just realized that they're going to be staying with us and um, you know it's only just been granted through court and you know you can really see once they got told that they were staying here you can really see kind of an ease about them and stuff mm. like that which is really nice to see you know and I feel like now now that's they're not thinking am I staying am I going mm. right now we can really get some work done on building them and helping them create the future they want yeah yeah working through their you know their memories their life story you know their their journey and what that's going to look like yeah so i mean fostering is parenting and then some isn't it it's not parenting and it's not it's not babysitting it's this kind of strange world in between isn't it you're a parent an advocate you know that the child's biggest supporter, but also the child's biggest disciplinary as well. It's you are everything. You're a teacher, you know, especially through COVID, where we all became teachers, didn't we? You know, um, yeah. I think you, with fostering, you do become all those roles. You and, wear so many different hats and roles. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And one of the one of the things I often find. Um, which is sort of unexpected, I think, for a lot of people who get come into foster care. It's not necessarily the children that is the, the surprise because people sort of come into fostering for children and they expect children to be, you know, it makes sense that if they've had a difficult yeah. time, then their behaviour might need a bit of help. Um, it's the working with professionals. That's the thing that often shocks people, the, the complexity of that. That's a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, there, there is a lot of complexities. I think there's so many people involved in, you know, like just a, just a single child's life, um, which we all know that they're important. I think sometimes you get those relationships and they go really well and you can work with a professional really well and it's great. And then other times they're harder to come by. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, I take my hat off you to you being a social worker it's hard. They've got big caseloads. They've got lots to do, but it's just sometimes it can be quite, it can be quite difficult to, you know, get in touch with a social worker or mm. get the right information. And, and I think that can, I think that's the thing like um, delegated authority, like you get your delegated authority, but then there's something that doesn't quite fit in one of those boxes and it's getting in touch with them in the right time scale, And, you know, and getting back to you for to allow like that seamless childhood that you would have had at home by seamless I mean like going on a school trip going yeah. to the dentist having your hair, yeah, your hair you know all those all those things that people sometimes just you know it's just they organize or they do yeah. it's there's another you know there's another level behind that you know I suppose with your own children, if you're, I don't know, three le- three weeks late going to your sixth month dental checkup, no one's going to be like, why haven't you booked this in time? Whereas with social work, with fostering, you've always got someone saying, have they been to the dentist? Have they been to the opticians? You know, have they had their medicals? Have they, you know, is there anything else we could be doing? Do they need to see cams? Do they need to see rise? Do, you know, it's it's that constant conveyor belt of, 
of people and I suppose it's just you being there constant and trying sort of like I suppose the the other side of that trying not to let them sort of see all that so that they feel like it's yeah just seamless normal. yeah a normal yeah yeah, yeah normal mm. yeah I think that is one of the, my reflections is that it is um it's unrelenting isn't it that the, the kind of the nature of your interaction with different professionals on a really quite a formal basis um in a way that you just don't have to with your own children. Yes. Or yeah. Not necessarily. Um, and I, I was thinking there as well about t- like people emailing you back and waiting for answers. Now I always sort of say to my colleagues, I say, you know, if, an, if, if a family emails you at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon and you answer them at nine o'clock on the Monday morning, for you, it's been three working hours or two working hours for them. It's been 72 hours. Yeah. So they're desperate. Um <laughs> So yeah. it's, and that can feel like a, and I, I think that maybe is the idea that this is your life and for them it's a job. And yeah. It's- yeah, I think there is, there is that level of, um, you get to go home and turn off and this doesn't mm. turn off. It doesn't stop because, you know, even if children are on scouting trips or school trips or you, you're, that's it, it's, 24-7, you're on call, something happens in the middle of the night, they're sick, that's, it's it's you. And that is like, that is being a parent, isn't it? Which is yeah. what you're supposedly doing. But there's, like you say, there's that background of professionals want to know they've been sick or if they've been to the GP or, you know, so there's that level of having to, you know, keep up, record it, document it, you know, and support the child through through you know the illness or the the episode yeah. or whatever it is so what's quite funny is um our biological daughter is three and um she gets upset that she doesn't get visitors like the other children yeah so that's, um the other she... day she did ask where she said where's my social worker i was like darling you don't have one <laughs> hmm I would like one. I said, okay, you can have our our supervising social worker. And she said, okay. So it was yeah. easy to rectify, but it's almost like everybody else has one. So, you know, mm. she must have one. <laughs> so can I ask about that then? Because, I mean, you, um, I've got a friend who, like you, was a, became a foster carer quite young um, and then with a partner went on to have a family. So was that a complicate does that complicate things did you take a break from fostering through the pregnancy and birth and no we didn't and that all happened while the pandemic was here well (laughs) that's you know in for a penny in for a pound (laughs) yes yeah no so do you want to talk i suppose also like uh, so okay so there's adding complications so um eleanor was actually or should i have said a name oops sorry um, our, child, our child <laughs> you can um, say what you want it's your child you can no, spill it. the beans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one can tell us off it's hard <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> she was an IVF baby so she was very wanted um, and we're very lucky to have her um, and then we had a global pandemic just before I was about to give birth we also had a sibling group of three so it was an extremely interesting time um there was a few calls to the department of education (laughs) uh, (laughs) about the children being in school because i was put on the uh the uh, 
what was it, Dan? High risk. High risk list. So, and uh, so was I from a cerebral palsy. Yeah, the children actually came out of school about four days before the whole country went into lockdown because I was classed as a risk. Yeah. So it was interesting. So there was obviously, uh, you know, a lot of going forward with the supervised social workers, you know, the children's social workers, just to see how they felt about that. And everyone was like, oh, it's just going to be a couple of weeks. So it doesn't matter, you know, you know, it's just, um, yeah. And then obviously there was more talks about, because my sister supports us and does like our support and respite. So um, yeah, that was a bit like, well, can they go there? So then my sister was self-isolating so that she could have our children but she needed to self-isolate so that I could go into hospital safely. So yeah, it was a big moving part. So um, no, so we didn't we didn't stop fostering. We continued fostering, um, and it worked well for us. And actually, we welcomed a uh, um, a natural surprise um, just before Christmas. So we have oh, wow. two, so... two biological children now. Oh, congratulations. So it's a full household, that's for sure. It's very yeah, full. Yeah, we are, we are a household of nine. That's so. a lot of, that's a lot around the dinner table, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. is. We, we are looking for a new dinner table because, you know. <laughs> we need some more space, yeah. That's well, it, I, yeah. I can give you some recommendations when we finish out. Yeah. Oh, okay, lovely. Yeah. Um, so that is really complicated and and I'm conscious as well. I mean, I was I was social working during that period and there was a real sense of every day was like, a, can we do this? Can we do this? So in the midst of all that, what were the conversations in terms of, you know, you having a baby and obviously your, your needs to kind of focus in on that? Was it with a local authority kind of like, oh, this will be fine? Or was it that they just had no choice? I think I think we just planned really well, if I'm honest. I think it was like this is, you know, this is the plan. So they they, you know, my sister's isolating, she's going to have them on respite. I'm gonna go in hospital, I'm gonna have a baby, nothing's gonna go wrong. And then we're gonna come home and we'll be fine as a and then family of six. Yeah. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it will, you know, that will be okay. Um, and we have got a, f- a fantastic support network. We had family and friends dropping food to us, so we didn't leave yeah. the house. Um, so imagine trying to get you know shopping for yourself, but also shopping from a household of six at the same time through the pandemic. So, but we had like Rianne's family, my family, and friends going for us and getting food for us, and so we didn't have to leave the house. And yeah, we're really really lucky. Yeah, Doorstop do- drops. Um, yeah. You know. So and and we're we're extremely lucky where we live as well. We live um sort of semi-rurally. Um we've got a big garden. So the children had lots of space to, you know, play and be out and you know, when you could go for a walk, there was a lot of space to walk. So yeah. and go out. So we were we were extremely lucky. Um and I mean it was very it was such an odd time, wasn't it? Um and I think, mm. but we were we were really looking with the local authorities. Well, they were really supportive. You know, we did a lot of a lot of you know, zooms and teams and catch ups and I think, but I think because you know our placement had been 
I hate calling them that, but, you know, to refer to them. But the placement had been very stable and settled. So I think they were quite happy. Yeah. Really, that it was, especially because, and then I think, you know, what it's kind of a blessing. I've just gone off on tangent here. It was kind of a blessing because actually we all got to sort of embed as like a new, a new, yeah. a new change, a new it's not a new family because it, yeah, but a new family, a new, you know, a new member. A new one coming into the family, yeah. yeah. You know, um, like the dynamic changes, but it didn't really. Like the kids just, just talked to Eleanor and loved that instantly, you know, yeah. which and was they were, And I think it was really nice that they got to see her in that early stage so much. Yeah. And actually, you know what? It could have been, speaking on my own behalf, actually quite, you know, therapeutic in a way, seeing that relationship and their relationship and the bond and the change. And I think that was quite nice, really. You know, we were very looking at that. Yeah. I mean, my being a foster, working with foster carers for a lot of foster children, it's like their world slowed down. And that was just something that was just probably really needed for some children just to kind of like the busyness of life. And it just, and like you say, embedded and, and yeah. And, and actually have, having a new child come into a household is kind of one of the most normal things in the world. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and, and a wonderful moment for them all to sort of explore that. But just, you know, a bit busier for you guys, bless your hearts. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so that's, thank heavens, that's all behind us. And another little baby's popped out as well. Um, so you are still foster carers. So is I mean you're still young. I mean the local authority be rubbing their hands, going, "Oh, we've got another thirty years out of these guys." <laughs> um, at least, and I would demand a carriage clock when you get to forty. Um, <laughs> uh, but what do you? Um, what is? Is your plan to just keep fostering? Is it kind of part of your DNA now? I mean, for for you, Danny, it's there isn't it's another way, is there? DNA, yeah. Like, but my mum did say to me, she did say, "Don't become a foster carer." My mum did tell oh. me to become a foster carer because, you know, I think with her being a single carer, all the responsibility on her, she she didn't have much of a, a social life away from fostering. Yeah. Um, so she always thought it would take a lot out of us. And I think us doing it is made to see, actually, when there's two of you, it's really, it's easier than if trying to take on it all by yourself. So, yeah, yeah no, it's... Yeah, we take our hat off to any single carers out there. You know, yeah. those guys yeah. are, yeah, different level because, you know, there's been many a time we've lay in bed and had a little like, oh, today's been really tough or, you know, that didn't go the way we thought it was going to go or, you know, you've got that instant reflection with somebody else. Whereas, I suppose... Well, I'm doing a good job, you know, and you need yeah. the other person to say, look how far they've come, you know, and, and we're part point of that. Sometimes we look at photos and it's like, right, look how little they were and look what they looked like and look where they are now and look what they're doing. And I think that's really, it's like, it's such an important part, you know, reflecting back at, you know, on your practice, reflecting back on how far everyone's come, even yourself, you know, how much you've developed. So, yeah. So you're going to keep going? Yeah. You oh, know. yeah, definitely. Oh, we have it. joked that when we give it up, we're going to get like one of them camper vans and just go like around America in a camper van, just me and Rianne when the kids are all old and that. It's just going to be yeah. me and Rianne in a camper van. 
That's not going to happen, is it? We'll have it like happen anytime soon. Or or there'll be a a route of camper vans following us along because they've all come come along for the journey. (laughs) Yeah, a trail of them. Um, So thinking, I mean, sort of that's a fantastic place to kind of round up the conversation. But I was thinking, if you could change one thing about fostering, is there anything you can think of that you think, oh, I wish, I, I would like more of that or less of that or change that? Putting you on the spot. I could change one thing about fostering. Um, I don't know if there's. I don't think. I don't think I could say one thing. I'd love it to be more understood. I'd love mm-hmm. people to embrace it. Um, I'd also, you know, I think. I think there needs to be a change in, you know, in fostering and social work but you know I suppose you make change by you know trying to implement those practices like you know so going to conference and you know fostering conferences and talking like this openly about how it is because it's not one of one of my big things is I'm the start of glad they're moving away from it it's that have you got a spare bed have you got a spare room have you got time for a child and that's great. You're right. You do need a spare room and you do need time, but you also need a lot more. And it's it, it's great. You know, it's great to get the conversation going. But I think also saying, you know, you need patience and you need, mm. you know, you need to be able to sometimes manage the professionals that are pressing your buttons rather than the children pressing your buttons. You know, um, I think. I think that's, you know, important. Um, I think for me, what I would like to change is I'd like to see young people get supported for longer. Right. Um, So, you know, we don't, our brains don't develop properly in decision making till we're about 20, is it 25? 25, something like that. And, you know, we're expecting young people with, you know, some tricky tricky paths, you know, that are still working who they are, trying to learn to deal with emotions and that. And then I feel like once they've hit 18, that support is very different. It doesn't drop. It doesn't like disappear, but it's very different. And young people get asked questions that they've never had to deal with before. And I truly believe it's at the wrong time because um, they're not in the in the right place. Like, yeah, it's and it's really hard. As in, like, it all depends when your birthday falls. If you're eighteen and yeah. you're still in sixth form or still at college, like, if you're September, October, November, you, you know that's you. It's almost like you know, and I think. Let's be honest, the financial support is ex- extremely different to for staying put, that's what they call it in country, yep. to, to a fostering placement. And though people, though finance is, everyone needs to pay their mortgage and their bills, and that's yep. how I look at it. So it needs to be more than that. And these, these young people, they don't just all of a sudden become like fully independent. They're trying, and they are really trying, but when that support drops to such a level... Or it becomes contractual, like 
the staying put agreements like oh you're just renting a room in someone's house it's so much more than that it's so much more complex and when you go down those lines with someone that's you know maybe thinking about you know going independent or looking back at birth family and then we wonder why you know sometimes these cycles repeat themselves and it's really hard because everyone has to make their own choices they are adults at that point but I think when we look at then the science behind it being 25 before you know your cortex is a you know functioning it's it's extremely you know difficult and I think that I think is, that is the, like, the trickiest part of their life is teenage yeah. years and you know and going into adulthood and I, for me personally I feel like the support should carry on and maybe that would have a a bigger effect going forward for young people and maybe they wouldn't need services so much in later life. And I think we've had sort of two sides to it and we've seen how it can work very differently. And I think, you know, there is, we've got a a young person staying put um, and we've university course and is very, driven by going to university and attending university and achieving and that's great and having a job and you know and also some of the support she doesn't get because she's doing those things and you think this is what she's achieving yeah we want her to achieve and but it's almost like she she doesn't get that support she doesn't get that recognition because she's doing it off her own back and that's that's hard sometimes because then you can see why people sometimes for lack of a better word take the easy easy road or struggle or think they've taken the easy road and then they don't they struggle and it's you know it's a big knock financially and actually that that impacts their lives you know yeah i mean i when i was watching the documentary um kids just so in case people forget um what it's i had this moment where i thought oh oh brian's got um, byron sorry byron's got an apprenticeship with the Coventry council and i thought Why isn't Coventry, why aren't all local authorities kind of having sort of uh, not a you know not a free job, but actually kind of maybe preferential access to you know and there's a, I would imagine there's a dozens of different types of jobs for young people. That job for Byron though, he didn't hear about it because of links to social yeah, workers yeah. or social care. It came through my work at Grapevine, and I said to him, "Think you'd be good at that. Apply for it." And he wasn't living with us at the time, but yeah. still coming around like every other day for dinner. And um and we, you know, we supported him to do that. And um and, and his partner at the time supported him to do his application form. And so yeah, it even with him being a you know, a young person who's still in the care system, it wasn't even the care system that provided him with that opportunity. Yeah, and it just seemed like that, like a really practical, tangible. Because some, you know, young people want a bit of dignity, and it gives, you know, gives it self respect. And it's like, like, because he said a few things that I thought were really interesting, reminded me of when I started work with. So all of a sudden, you have to be an adult because you're talking with like men who are fifty five, and they don't want to talk mm-hmm. about nonsense. They want to talk about real stuff, <laughs> or you know. And so it just seemed like a really positive outcome. So maybe my last question is, why did you get involved with the documentary? Were you asked or were you made to do it? Um, <laughs> we, got, we got involved because Byron asked us. So right. but, um, young people 
a, a group of young people were given to Channel 4. They interviewed a load of them and they picked certain ones that they really connected with, I think. Channel 4 did and Byron was one of them and then they were chatting to Byron and he obviously started talking about myself and Rianne and um, they were like, oh, do you think Danny and Rianne speak to us? And he was like, yeah. And he said, he said, I'll talk to them for you. But here's their number. And Channel 4 rang us before Byron told us. Um, and we were like, Byron, we've had a call from Channel 4. He was like, oh, I forgot to tell you about that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then like Rianne said, next thing we know, they, they came around for a chat. And we were mic'd up and there was a camera there. And and then it was like, so you, you don't mind being part of this? And we didn't because we thought it was really, really important for Byron to, this was something Byron wanted to do. This was his choice. And we thought it was really important for him to tell his story. And, and then, we, yeah. And, and he really him. wanted us to be part of it. Hmm. Um, so, you know, when when a young person says, I want you to be part of this, um, you can't and really, think, you know, really well, I want to say no. But yeah. yeah, I did want to say no at first. Um, but no, and I think also sort of speaking to sort of Channel 4, I think I didn't realise, and I, I don't know the official figures, but obviously lot, lots of people aren't even offered staying put. And I think that to me, you know, when you, you asked us previously about what we do and what's our sort of target, is it sort of short-term, long-term? Um, that's always sort of been mine and Danny's sort of thing that long-term is long-term. That means staying put. That means post-18. That means, you know, we see it as that we're part of a child's life forever, a young person's life forever. We're, you know, I always talk about it, you know, because there was a great deal of filming that you, you don't see. and But I always talk about you're an extra family. So when that young person, if they go home or they move on, you know, we always want to be sort of in the background as part of, I want to be, we want to be those people that like you could ring in 15 years time and say, you know, when I stayed with you that summer or, you know, when I was with you for a few months, what, you know, what did we do or where did we go? I want to sort of be when we stayed with you for 10 years, you know, like whatever that story is. I just want them to know that we're still part of that and that it's not like we close the door and and it's over because that's not life, you know. You don't close the door on people and, you know, just, yeah, you know, when you've been part of what I say, like an extended family, this isn't just, you know, this is, you know, their life and their memories and their story and we want to continue to be part of that. No, I mean, that, that's that's. Yeah, I mean that's perfect, and that's a great, um, it's a great way to kind of wrap up the podcast. So, again, I recommend people go and watch the program. It's on catch up. You just have to pop along to Channel Four on demand, and then it's in there. Um, and it's called Kids. So, Danny Rian, thank you so much for your time, being so generous, and uh, thank you for doing the documentary because I think it shines a light onto you know the reality of foster care. So, thank you. No, thank, thank you. you.